You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dead Well, um, today's going to be a little bit different because um, we have a very long interview with Mr. Ian Cummings talking about Romeo Dobbs, talking about the draft class, um, just kind of doing, I guess, a revisit. Now that we've had a chance to see all this, um, I personally just wanted to do a little bit of a reset. Um, I wanted to go back and say, okay, we've seen the results from Quay so far. We're, We're still far away, granted, but we've seen it from Quay. We've seen what we've seen from Wyatt. We've certainly seen what we've seen from Dobbs. And so I wanted to go back and revisit these things. And so in that process, I was planning on doing it by myself. I wanted to go back and see, um, well, the first thing was essentially where did they rank and, and why and all that stuff. But the funny thing happened is I went over to what, NFL mock draft database.com or whatever it's called. I always have a hard time remembering the name of that site, so I can't find it every single time. Not saying he should change it, but, you know, something a little more memorable would be great. To keep doing like NFL draft, draft NFL, I don't know. Mock draft is the thing that throws me. But anyways, as I'm looking at Romeo Dobbs and I'm, I'm just seeing, you know, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, fourth round, third round, fourth round. And then all of a sudden, I see at the very end, a couple people putting him in the first round. And, you know, it was earlier on in the process, but still, at th- there was a time when somebody, and there were two people, Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports and Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network, which I forgot as I was <laughs> forgetting the name of the site as I was talking to the guy, because there's pro football reference and pro football sports, this and that. So it's like pro, f- uh, what is the name of the site? And so it just sounds like I'm flat out lying when I say it's a good website, but it's, it, I'm serious. The other thing is I was trying to remember, and I'm forgetting his name now, Tony Pauline. That was the big the big get for Pro Football Network. And so I wanted to be complimentary of Tony Pauline, forgot his name, wanted to compliment the site, forgot the site's name. So when the interview starts, it's me just fumbling through and and, um, sounding like I'm completely lying and I have no idea anything about this website. But that's not the case. I just just went blank and forgot everything. Anyways, so I I, I just kind of stopped the whole process and was like, all right, I got to talk to Ian and just be like, explain this to me. Because that's the whole thing. You know, it's funny because, I, and, and we talk about it a little bit in the interview, but you're starting to see people go back and look at him. And, and the question is, why in the world was he taken so late? He has all the intangibles. What, what, what would have caused him to fall? And so I went to the people that said he had first round ability, at least at some point in the process, and said, you explain it to me. So that's what that's about. And um, he's very involved in a lot of draft stuff. And so I figured, you know what, while we're here, and this was actually his idea, he's like, if you want to go through the rest of the guys, I was like, all right, let's do it. So that's what we did. That's what it's about. Um, Don't have enough time to go through camp notes and everything else, because again, this is a pretty long interview by itself. So I don't know, maybe tomorrow will just be uh, a double down on on updates or whatever. But the couple things that have happened already that I wanted to touch on. First of all, Dexter Williams is back, ladies and gentlemen. Dexter Williams is back. Dexter was always, I like Dexter. Dexter always had that speed. You know, I I just feel like every time he touched the ball, he would just fly. 
And every time I watch him, be like, dude, this guy is freaking good. But Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, then they added A.J. Dillon. just was never going to work out. I am a little confused, though, as, as I look at it. Um, I know they need help on offensive line. I know they need special teams help, and I, and I think they're addressing that. We'll get to that in just a minute. But Dexter somewhat confuses me. Um, I mean, look, it, it may just very well be Dexter's just really good, and the Packers always kind of liked him. It just wasn't really working. And now that Jamal's gone, they're trying to find that number three. Dexter goes to the whatever it is, USFL or whatever, tears it up, and they're like, you know what? That dude's freaking good, man. And with Kylan Hurt and Tyler Goodson just not being the guy that they want him to be, and then just having two, you know, undrafted free agents, not not that they're necessarily bad, but they're not ready. Um, they're kind of looking at a number three going, what's our best option? And there's a very good chance that Dexter is the best option. In fact, I'd be shocked to find out he wasn't the best option. He never really got a, a really good shot. He's a six-round pick, by the way, worth noting. But he never really got a good shot in the regular season. Um, 2020 was his last game action. Five snaps, only two attempts, but eight yards, so four yards per attempt. His longest being five, so five and three, I guess. But obviously, he did have a decent amount of um, preseason action. And so 61 snaps, 54 attempts, 210 yards, 3.9 yards per attempt, and a touchdown. Uh, 2.56 yards after contact per attempt. Three carries beyond 10 yards. Didn't have any beyond 15. He also had seven targets, five receptions for 57 yards. Unfortunately, two drops, which is not great when you're only targeted seven times. You know what I mean? Um, And these are not usually like 50-yard bombs. So that's rough. But um, something else to consider. Kylan Hill was not just their number three running back. He was a kick return specialist, essentially. He, He was just as much a kick returner as he was a running back. With him not being there, it creates somewhat of a void. I mean, we got Rico Gafford and Amari Rogers and all that, but Dexter also had some opportunities there. And interestingly enough, not as a punt returner, but as a kick returner, in 2021, they gave him two opportunities. He ran for 53 yards, which is a 26.5-yard average. Now, it's only two attempts, but that's quite impressive. And it wasn't based on one 53-yard run. It was, the longest was 32 yards. So the other one was 21 yards. So it was two good returns. Remember, if you can get to 25 yards as an average, first of all, you're one of the better kick returners in football, but that's kind of all you need because then, you know, the inclination of teams to kick it to the one yard line because you're an idiot and can't do this and your whole special teams is a joke, that is uh, seriously challenged and teams aren't going to want to do that and they're going to want to just kind of grant you that 25-yard line. That's why having a really, really good kick returner is kind of useless because they'll just kick it out of the end zone and hand it to you at the 25. But you want somebody to be good enough to at least threaten it. Again, it's only two attempts, so I don't really know. And it was only in one game. It was it was preseason week two in 2021 against the Jets. He had two attempts, 53 yards. He also filled a couple other roles or whatever. So I, I, I think overall it just makes sense. He has familiarity with the offense. I think he slots in immediately as a number three. Maybe Dexter wasn't exactly what the Packers wanted, but you compare him to what they currently have. Again, Jamal's gone, so so although he was gone last year, so that, I guess that doesn't what whatever doesn't matter. I'm trying to find excuses for why the Packers don't like Dexter as much as I do, and I need to stop doing that. <laughs> Given the current situation, I think it just makes sense. And um, as far as what it means going forward, I you know the the immediate inclination is probably to say, well, this sucks for Goodson because he was having a good camp, and it looks like he's not going to get a chance now. I mean, not that, that Dexter's a lock necessarily, but I, I would look at it slightly differently. 
and say that this might be a problem for Patrick Taylor and Kylan Hill. Because, I mean, I don't know, maybe they're going to just wait and see what happens with, with Kylan if they really, really like the guy. Or they may look at Goodson and say, this is, this is the guy we want to stash and see how it goes, and Dexter will be our number three. I don't know. All I know is I'm, I'm happy he's back. And, and you know, here, here's my final thought, and, and maybe this is all it is. It gets to a point where, and they talked about this before, you, you start signing guys just because you need enough guys to field a practice. And with the preseason coming up, Aaron Jones is not going to be playing. A.J. Dillon is probably not going to be playing. Kylan Hill cannot play. You've got three running backs left, and I don't know Patrick Taylor's health situation. Maybe this is just about having enough bodies. Whatever. Either way, dude is back. I'm happy. Excited to see what he can do. Anyways, um, in addition, and I'm not going to go over every single person because that would take a long time, but these are the people that the Green Bay Packers worked out. Micah Abernathy, defensive back. Ramirez Ahmad, kicker. Kalen Balaj, running back. Bailey Flint, punter. Mitchell Fraboni, long snapper. Drew Himmelman, tackle. Simon Laria, punter. Austin McGinnis, kicker. Antonio Ortiz, long snapper. Aldrich Rosas, kicker. Jalen Samuels, running back. Stevie Scott, running back. Uh, Aaron Cervais, tackle. Will Spears, punter. Calvin Turner, running back. Brendan White, DB, Dexter Williams, running back. Here's the thing. We talk about continual revolving door and all this stuff. Um, this is not that <laughs> in terms of just picking up people as as you see fit. You know, if there's a guy that you like, you, you grab him and you try him out and see if he's going to fit. And then if not, you move on. If so, then you, you keep him and you drop the lowest common denominator. This is so obvious what they're doing. First of all, running back. They look really hard at a running back. Again, maybe it's just because they needed another one. So they worked out Kalen Balaj, Jalen Samuels, Stevie Scott, Calvin Turner, Dexter Williams, and they decided they're keeping Dexter. On top of that, they worked out one, two, three kickers. Why? Because Burkick isn't working out. And they want some level of competition for Mason Crosby, who can't even defend himself yet. And Burkick isn't it. He lost the job. So they're trying to find somebody else. They worked out one, two, three. Three punters um, at the same time that O'Donnell has been shanking punts in camp and has been having a real hard time. Not saying they're 100% looking to get rid of them, but they're at least to the point where they're saying, okay, maybe we should bring in some competition and uh, just try some guys out and see what we see. You know, again, we, we've got a guy that is extremely talented when it comes to special teams and, and what you expect from a special teamer. So it's not like Matt LaFleur is out here trying to figure out what a good punter looks like. You get your special teams coordinator, who obviously has developed an eye for special teams talent. They worked out one, two DBs, and one, two tackles. Um, not entirely sure about the DBs, if that's a competition thing or a special teams thing. In fact, a lot of this might have more to do with special teams, even the running backs. Again, just, just it's, it's a... Two things can be true at once, you know. But the tackles, I have to assume, have to do with the offensive line. Again, not that they can't somehow contribute on special teams as blockers or whatever, but they got to see what those guys can do. And then, long snapper, one, two different long snappers, Mitchell, Ferboni, and Antonio Ortiz. I'm thinking at least one of the two guys that we have is going to stay. Maybe uh, Jack Coco stays and Wartell goes, and one of these two guys comes in to kind of compete. 
right? I mean, it, it makes sense. You, you have a competition, somebody wins, and rather than just handing him a job, because, you know, Jack's been struggling as well, seemingly, you bring somebody else in and those guys compete. So um, that is unless you bring these two guys in that are complete garbage and even worse than the two guys you have, in which case, don't even bother. But it's 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 good, you know, because a lot of what we had in the past was still on the team. You know, it, it's not like Bisaccia can go out and just hire his a whole new team just for special teams. He has to work with what he has, and the Packers obviously are not going to just build a new team. That The team is there for offense and defense, and you got to figure out how to make the guys that we have work. So there's been a little bit of shuffling on the bottom and a couple guys from, from Vegas that have come over. But this is the first, like, really big swing of here's a massive pile of guys Take a look, see what you like. We're kind of bargain bin shopping here. See if anything stands out. And um, so far, I haven't heard anything about signings outside of Dexter, but I would have to assume at least one specialist, kicker, punter, long snapper, is is going to come down the pike. And maybe the additional complication, for example, let's say a kicker is getting signed, the reason you would maybe take a little bit of extra time to announce it would probably have to do with the fact that it's very obvious you're cutting someone, so you want to speak to Burkick. So when we sign Dexter Williams, we have to cut somebody, but it's not very clear who that will be. It doesn't even have to be a running back. It could be anybody, just whoever's at the bottom of the pile. But if you bring in a kicker, I mean, maybe you're just going to cut someone else and make it a three-way competition, but I really don't think so. I think Burkick goes bye-bye. So, you know, so there's that. Anyways, we might as well use this time to take a break. Thank you so much to yesterday's patrons. I may have already said uh, thank you to Josh, but thanks again, maybe, or for the first time, to Joshua Klaus. And thank you so much to Carson Foltz. I might have said thank you to both of you guys. I don't remember, but um, we'll just do all of yesterday's patrons. Actually, I can find out because I thanked the people that, yes, did say thanks to Josh. And... All right, I already said thanks to both of those guys. Um, But anyways, thank you guys. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. If you sign up for the year, you do get a discount. So it's like 10 bucks for the year. That's what most people tend to do. So I figure I throw it out there. That is an option, especially because I know like the month to month thing can kind of get annoying. Like every month there's a, there's money coming out, especially if you're married. And then it's like, what is this? Why are you doing this? It's much easier to just be like, I gave a guy 10 bucks. It's like, oh, okay. Even if it's the same amount of money, it's like every month you got to account for it. Like why, why, why is there a dollar missing again? I told you, remember, I'm giving money to that guy. Like, oh, yeah. Are you still doing that? I didn't know you're still doing Yeah, it's every month. Every month? It's only a dollar. Yeah, but it's every, I don't know. I don't even know who this person is. Why are you giving him a dollar? What is a dollar? Fine, forget it. Sorry, dude. Can't give you a dollar anymore. Don't feel like going through this every single month. So I get it. Anyways, it'd be great. Uh, why don't we take a break? And on the other side, we'll come back and talk to Ian Cummings about Romeo Dobbs and the draft class. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Next up, we've got Ian Cummings. He is a writer for Pro Football Network. Um, that's a, uh, it's a network that I like a lot. Um, I go over there for a lot of the information that they have. Um, I, I think it's a better resource than you're going to find in a lot of other places. Um, so I appreciate the work that you guys do over there, Ian, but, uh, thanks for joining us today, talking a little bit about Romeo Dobbs. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to uh, look back on the 2022 NFL draft wide receiver class. That was one of, you know, I haven't been scouting for too long, right? But, you know, as you get more into it, you you rarely see a class with that kind of depth and the amount of options that were there at each given round. It, it was really, you know, it was fun to dive through it, fun to, you know, kind of dive deep into all those prospects and see where they landed and where they're what they're going to do in the NFL. You know, like I do dynasty drafts now. Yeah. You know, I, I have fantasy friends who got me into it. And I'm like looking like, oh, here's my guy in round 26. Here's my guy in round 28. You know, there's so much depth. There's such a, you know, such a variety of outcomes for these players players and it's it's so fun to see where they go and, and what they ultimately do yeah the the depth especially at wide receiver i think is something we're gonna have to touch on a little bit because i think that has has to do a little bit with what happened with romeo but i just want to give a little background i was i was you know with romeo doing as well as he has i was like i, I just want to look and see you know what what people were saying out him prior to the draft and i came over to this site i like to use nfl mock draft database just kind of showing all the different rankings and all these things and I'm going through and it's, you know, fifth round, fourth round, fourth round, sixth round, fourth round. A couple of people had actually had the Packers taking him in the fourth round, which is funny. And I'm scrolling and all of a sudden I see these couple of mocks. And granted, they're a little bit older, but I see two from Chris Trapasso having him going 30th to the Lions. And then I see one from you, Ian Cummings, going 28th to the Lions and another one having him going 20th to the Saints. And I thought, well, that's <laughs> that's kind of crazy. And it, it, it all just again, it's a little bit older, but it all kind of ties into this bigger um, theme with Romeo Dobbs. And I just real quick want to go over this before I kind of let you um, kind of let loose on Romeo Dobbs. This was a tweet by Doug Farrar yesterday. He said, finished up a tape piece on Romeo Dobbs, the absolute star of the Packers training camp. And I need someone to explain to me like I'm five, how these guys lasted to the fourth round. That kind of brought me over to your scouting report of Romeo Dobbs. I'm just going to read the first paragraph and then I'll let you elaborate on it. But I think it gives a little bit of insight into the answer to Doug Farrar and as far as, you know, how do you reconcile some people having him as sort of a first, second round talent, but he goes to the fourth. I just want to read this real quick. Um, it says, early in the process, the scouting report of Nevada wide receiver and NFL draft prospect Romeo Dobbs commanded heavy interest. Now it feels like he's falling under the radar a bit. In such a deep class, it shouldn't be a surprise that some quality receiver prospects are losing traction. But with a player as productive and as talented as Dobbs, it makes you think. Let's get to the bottom of Dobbs' evaluation and see where he deserves to go in 2022. So I guess we'll start with that right there. Um, again, kind of seeming as though it's not necessarily a talent thing that I'm going to the fourth round, but you've got so many wide receivers, and especially when you look at the athleticism, guys running in the four twos, guys that are six five, and all that stuff. But just based on the tape evaluation that you saw, the talent that you saw, what do you think was a, a good valuation for Romeo Dobbs in terms of you know, if, if you had to just pick a spot to draft him and say this is where he deserved to be drafted, where would you have put him? 
Yeah, it's a good question, you know, and I think it changes throughout the process. Like early on, you know, mocking him in, in the first round, that's obviously just a real quick, my thought process, because I had to do a mock draft, I think a seven rounder every month last cycle. Oh, wow. And early on, you know, in August and September, right, the college football season hasn't, it hasn't carried out yet. So we don't really know where they're going to land. Yep. So in that time range, they can be a lot more projective, right? Like we don't know what's going to happen, but in a way it's a lot more freeing because there's plenty of different outcomes so if if there's a player that you think has that upside like yeah i'll put him there because hey at his max projection this is what he can be you know in all likelihood it's he's going to wind up somewhere in the middle range you know but at the at the same time you know you can play around with those projections early on and so that was my thought process behind mocking romeo dobbs in the first round you know i do think that looking at the athletic talent you know what's there physically you know, that that ceiling was there. Obviously, it didn't quite amount to that came to round four with the Packers. But, you know, every process, every prospect has like a ceiling and a floor and you can kind of find where they fit along that spectrum. It's always on a spectrum. But with Romeo Dobbs, I think the thing for me was that, you know, looking at the physical tools that are there, you know, you, you kind of go through and check the boxes and he's got a lot of the boxes, man. I mean, looking at his measurements around 6'2", 201 pounds, 32, you know, arms over 32 inches. So you, you got length, you got frame density, you know, you have a lot of the tools that you're looking for. The framework that I like to look at it through, especially for wide receivers, is a three-level threat. Can you create separation before the catch? Can you create opportunities at the catch with length, body control, catching instincts, uh, hand strength? And then after the catch, can you create yards, you know, with agility, lateral agility, you know, vision, being able to make guys miss, stuff like that, maybe contact balance. And Romeo Dobbs early on, when I was looking at his tape, I was like, this guy's got all of what he needs to be that three-level threat. You know, I think the lateral twitch, the explosiveness in those short ranges is something that you really see. It was evident on his tape, you know, when he's getting generating displacement at the line with a quick release, a jab step and stacking his guy with that acceleration. And he's got enough speed to be a threat downfield too, you know, so you see a lot of that. But then after the catch too, you know, there's a few times on that Nevada tape where he takes a little drag route, get into space and then uh, a quick lateral juke and he's he's got extra space he kind of creates for himself you know so to me looking at that the athletic talent was there along with the size the length the frame density you know I, I think the biggest reason that he kind of fell to where he was and why his valuation kind of corrected to you know I, I graded him you know my final grade ended up being a day two grade you know he scored very well in the athletic portions but the route tree could have been a bit more expansive True. coming from Nevada, you know, that air raid offense, you know, a lot of times maybe you're just running a simple go or, or, or drag, you know, or crosser, you know, not a ton of times where we're seeing him independently manipulate defensive backs. We did see a little bit of it at the senior bowl, but we also saw the focus drops. Uh, that was another big issue right. for him on tape is he can do everything right. He can get displacement with that release. He can stack his guy, but downfield, if you don't convert with your hands, you know, then all of it's for nothing. And that was, that was a considerable issue on tape. You know, he, he did show that he could convert, that he could look the ball in. He could guide it in with his hands. But there were a lot of times, too, where inexplicably, you know, he just dropped it, right? And then working through contact was something less consistent working through contact as well. So looking at those things, that is something that, you know, maybe sours his outlook for some teams. That said, I would have taken him day two, obviously falling to day three. I think what you're looking at in that situation is just, you know, needing to expand the route tree and needing to, you know, minimize the focus drops. Those are some things that, you know, could have contributed to that. At the same time, a very deep wide receiver class. You're going back to that, you know, yep. it, this was such a deep receiver class that it was really up to preference for a lot of teams. Like I know San Francisco 
pick Danny Gray at the tail end of round three. That's one where they really could have picked Romeo Dobbs if they wanted to, but maybe they felt that Gray offered a little bit more explosiveness, a little bit more speed. Dobbs certainly not, not you know, bad in that regard, but Danny Gray, you know, had the extra gear. So it all comes down to team preference at the end of the day. Uh, and some guys just kind of slip through the cracks. And me personally, I think that's what happened with Dobbs. I think he landed in a great spot, a team that, you know, we've seen the Packers, they have a, a desired mold at the wide receiver position. They're usually going for guys that are over 200, that have the size and the athleticism, and they know how to build those guys up. So I'm very excited to see what he does, because I do think, you know, while he didn't quite go as high as some people had originally planned that I thought he could have gone, you know, he landed in a, in a great spot. Yeah, and those those drops are starting to show up a little bit. He was almost the first player to catch a pass on Jair and Camp today, but he dropped it, unfortunately. I think he's had about four of those so far. But yeah. um, so so do you think it's kind of similar and obviously very different styles of wide receiver, very different ceilings? I'm, I'm not trying to compare them directly, but in terms of, of kind of what happened in the draft, do you see it kind of similar to DK Metcalf where it's not that we know he can't do it. It's that I've never seen him, so I don't know. As far as like, you know, the route tree, that was a big knock on DK Metcalf. I don't know that he can do it. Um, and, and with Romeo Dobbs, again, it's, it's a matter of, I wish he had run a more diverse route tree as opposed to I've seen him run these routes and he sucks at it. He's only good at these couple things. And because I don't have answers, I'm a little less sure. Whereas this, these receivers, I'm a little bit more sure of, I know they've got the speed. I've know they got the hands. I know they can run all the routes. So it's safer, but it doesn't necessarily mean the guy can't develop. And if he does, his ceiling is much higher. Is that kind of what we're looking at with him? I think so. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where I think if Nevada had used him a different way, maybe he would have been able to develop that route tree a little bit more. But, you know, even with the routes that he did run, you know, there were some times where he played a little bit too tall into the okay. break, you know, didn't quite sink his hips enough. Right. So there's always two aspects to it. You know, the conceptual aspect where, you know, what's he being asked to do? Right. But then there's also you know, what is he, you know, doing on those routes that he's asked to do, right? Like if, if a coach is only asking you to run drags and, and nines, right, then, you know, maybe we really don't know what he can do. But if you see a little bit of those, you know, those outs, those ins, those digs, you know, where you can manipulate a little bit at the stem, that's where you dive into the details. And it's like, all right, you know, how, what's his foot speed like, you know, how's his head manipulation? Is he using those head fakes to get those DBs off center? You know, is he sinking his hips enough? Is he playing, is he pressing upfield with his pad level and not playing too tall right so a lot of the little details that you can dive into and what i found was that he could improve a little bit you know with that with the um the, the route application right you know when he did have those opportunities definitely showed flashes of hip sync and you know that lateral agility and you see it at the line you know i know there was that one play in packers camp a couple days ago where he dusted his guy off the line mm -hmm. you see that lateral burst and twitch and agility he has that and that's translatable as a route runner right it's just using that more efficiently right so you know, kind of diagnosing where is he along that spectrum and where can he be, right? So different teams have different comfort levels when it comes to taking guys like that. Uh, but for me, for Dobbs, it was it was a little bit of both, you know, what he was asked to do and, you know, how he executed when he was asked to, to have those opportunities. Uh, but to me, I always, I always look at it from a purely diagnostic standpoint. You know, like even if this guy has a pretty minute route tree, does he at least show the athletic traits that are translatable to route running growth? You know, I think a, a big case study for this upcoming class is that Quentin Johnston from TCU, uh, 6'4", over 200, super long frame. You know, I think one of the biggest knocks on him so far 
is his route running, right? You know, pretty minute route tree so far. But from what he's shown, you know, those comeback routes on the boundary, that stopping ability, the hip sync, the deceleration capacity, throttle control, you know, it's all there and you see it. So for me personally, that's why I was a little bit more comfortable projecting with Dobbs because he does have those bedrock traits for a route sure. runner. He still needs to channel them more efficiently, but it's there. So I think it's going to take some time. And with the focus drops too, that's something that can stick around for rookies, especially uh, so I imagine we'll see more of that down the line. I don't think I, I don't think we're past the lumps yet, but the talent is there and the Packers know how to work with it. So one of the things I'm having a hard time doing with Romeo Dobbs is putting him in a box in terms of what type of a receiver he is. Just just based on height, weight, speed and all that, I'm, I'm kind of seeing him as more of a, a, a true X receiver, you know, just more of a Devontae Adams, not super tall, not super fast, but just really refined, does a good job. He's, he's good off the line, all that kind of stuff. But I keep looking back and everybody kind of refers to him as a, as a, a, a deep threat or a speed guy or, uh, you know, used in a vertical passing attack and all these things. And it, it just, I guess it just kind of confuses me a little bit. And I know 40 time doesn't necessarily translate to, to game speed, but I have a hard time picturing him in that sort of, you know, like MVS role like we had before where he's sort of seen as your deep threat. So I was just kind of curious if you had to put him in a box, what type of a receiver you see either Dobbs being or what you would maybe project him as in the NFL? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I, I never like putting a receiver in a box, right? right? I, you know, you, you want to expand, you want to, if you can be flexible with their skill set, be flexible, right? So I think with Dobbs, I'm looking at, you know, the lateral twitch and agility and the size and the length, you know, I think he does have the skill set to win on the boundary and stack guys. See, if I remember, you know, Diami Brown, when he was coming out, that was something that he was specialized at at North Carolina was just getting displacement and stacking guys. And I think Dobbs does a great job with that as well. And he's got the speed. So I think there is room to, you know, get him in that vertical role when the situation calls for it. That said, I, again, I wouldn't want to box him in. I think you're looking at a guy with his size, with his frame density, get him in the slot, you know, scheme okay. some separation and, you know, on a drag or mesh route, you know, get him the ball in space and he's explosive, he's agile, and he's got that frame density where he can churn through contact a little bit. Use him that way too. You know, I think you need to be flexible, move him around because he does have the athletic traits to be a little bit of a mismatched piece, you know, not to the degree of Christian Watson, right? But there is that there, right? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be boxing myself in, you know, X, Z, slot, you know, I think with Dobbs, move him around a little bit and see if it's comfortable for you. Uh, but I, that's one thing that I like for my guys. Can they produce from a multitude of different alignments? And especially with the Packers, you know, we're seeing that they do have a, a lot of different molds in that receiving core. So if you can be flexible, be flexible. And I think Dobbs allows you to do that because the, if you're going along the three-level threat framework, you know, he can separate, he can win at the catch point. Uh, if he can shore up his hands, be more consistent there, and he can get yards after the catch. So I would just expand that, you know, across the alignment, wherever you can get him opportunities, get those opportunities. So as, as a final Dobbs question, I'm going to give you another unfair one that I shouldn't ask you, but I'd be <laughs> remiss to not, to not at least bring it up. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious, I guess, from your perspective, because you, you saw him and you kind of had probably some level of expectation of what he'd be able to do in the NFL. And I know it's early in training camp and all that, but just based on the reports that are coming out, I'm just curious if your thought process is more along the lines of, Oh snap. He's kind of hitting that ceiling therefore I think he's going to be this in the NFL or is it sort of this is sort of what I expected from him and I still would like to see x y and z in other words your projection based on what we've heard so far what are your thoughts on Romeo Dobbs so far um, in his NFL career absolutely you know my thoughts uh, if I can be blunt you know I don't really have any yet I think yeah 
you know, you love to take victory laps on your guys if they're making plays. Yep. And, you know, I'll, I'll be excited, you know, if I see them like Eric Azucanma at Miami was another right. wide receiver that I was really high on. He's made a few plays so far. You know, I love to see that. I, I want to see him. I want to see them all grow, you know, because they're, they're young men at the end of the day living out their dreams. You know, you want to see them all succeed. That said, you know, like I, I try, I, I don't take victory laps this early. You know, you never want to take victory laps at all. You know, the motivation sh- should just be to, to, pr- to provide accurate analysis, you know, regardless. But I think with Dobbs, you know, and with anyone, you know, yeah, they're going to make a few flash plays in training camp and they're probably going to take some lumps. I think that's what training camp is for, especially if you're a young player, just kind of getting in the swing of things. You know, you're going to have those bright moments, but it's a, an entirely different thing translating on game day against the NFL corner, you know, opposite you who's actually trying to get in your face and, and make this ball incomplete. Right. So I think, you know, game day, that environment, there's no replacement for it. I think the training camp seg- segment is a good way to ease these rookies into it. But, you know, who's flashing and who's not, you can definitely read into it. You're not read into it. Keep an eye on it for sure. You know, keep the hand on the pulse for sure. Uh, but right now, I think it's too early to say what our thoughts are. I'm glad he's making plays. I'm, I will say that. I'm glad that his athletic traits are showing out in those one-on-one situations. They're kind of slanted toward the receiver because he don't have safety help. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's good to see that he's using that to his advantage. And then, you know, you'd love to see him minimize the focus drops over time if he can do that and at least carry development and growth in that area into the season. That's another step in the right direction. But right now, you know, I think it's still too early to say anything definitive. I think it'll be too early to say anything definitive even after the first season, right? right. You know, every player's developmental track is different. You got to see where they go beyond that. But right now, yeah, I'm happy he's making plays. I'll say that. I'll say that. I'm happy that his athletic traits are definitely popping and he's on the radar for sure. You know, this is the time to learn. So people like to rush it sometimes. You know, I'd, I'd prefer to, you know, take it slow and just see where they go. Yeah, as I've been mentioning on on the podcast recently, you know, there, there are some negative notes coming out of training camp, but I don't think there's been one about any rookie wide receiver that I've seen. So from what I can tell, we've got about 50 top five wide receivers that are uh, that are coming into the NFL this year. Um, mm-hmm. I want to pivot real quick to uh, some of the other guys that we drafted this year. Just kind of get a, a real quick, quick hit thought on some of the guys we got. One of the big surprises, which shouldn't be a surprise because the Packers do it every year, um, they took a guy that was seen as sort of a mid-second round talent in Quay Walker, the linebacker. Um, as usual, there's a lot of snickers and sneers about it, but so far the the reports have been quite solid, and I, I understand the thought process behind it. He sounds like he is a uh, Devondre Campbell clone, so they certainly have a type at linebacker, but I'm curious your thoughts on Quay uh, prior to uh, the, the draft and, and what you thought about him as a prospect. I was actually a pretty big fan of Quay. Uh, yeah. I, I can pull up my grades here. or I, I had it pulled up. Hang on a sec. I'll get back to it. But yeah, I, I was a pretty big fan of him. Here it is. I'll see where he landed on my board. But uh, yeah, he, I think he had a for uh, over an eight for me. Yeah, just barely over an eight. So that's kind of in okay. first round range. I, I was a big fan of the athletic tools. I think you're looking at a guy, you know, who's 6'4", 240. Some teams kind of inflate those numbers, right? But he was listed at 6'4", 240, and that's what he came out as. You know, like the dude is big and he's rocked up. Uh, so he's really, yep. you know, in terms of physical talent, you're working with a lot there. And I think Quay Walker, another thing that I was really impressed by on the Georgia tape, 
you know, Nicobe Dean was kind of the guy, you know, who was calling the signals and getting players into position. Right. But Quay Walker did show good read and recognition skills at times. You know, he he was able to, you know, at 6'4", 240, having the speed to track plays horizontally, laterally to the sideline to engage blocks. And he's got great play strength where he can stack and shed, you know, in space. You know, you'd love to see that. And then a very solid tackler. I mean, you know, it's going to be tough for running back to break right. a tackle from a 6'4", 240 guy. So, you know, with his athleticism, having the range that he does at his size, I'm I'm a I'm a big proponent of betting on those traits. If you have the luxury too, I think the Packers are in a good spot with their roster to the point where yeah, we can take a risk on that. And you know, having him learn from Devondre Campbell, you know, there's not many linebackers that are better to learn from as a rookie. So I think Quay Walker, you know, I miss, some people thought it was a little bit high. I, I think he does need to improve in coverage. I think there's times where he can let guys get behind him. He's got to have a little bit better blind spot awareness, and, and you know, he's got to position himself a little bit better in some situations. But you're looking at the physical traits, the play strength, the size, the speed, the explosiveness too. When he closes on plays, accelerates very quickly, can close ground with ease. You know, I think you're looking at a lot of upside there. And with that pick, you know, especially playing behind Devontae Wyatt now, you know, mm-hmm. who's got some familiarity with from college, you know, I think there's a lot of upside there. And especially if, if you feel comfortable taking a gamble on that, then it's a good gamble because it might pay off two to three years down the run. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I'm a, of the upside with him. You know, I, I won't deny there's some uncertainty with the pick. But again, you know, take it slow, see how he grows. He's got the physical tools to be a very good player alongside Devontae Campbell and a, a pretty versatile player at that, too. Speaking of Devontae Wyatt, I know um, there were some red flags with him off the field as well as age being kind of a concern. But I, I think he was one of my favorite prospects just as a player. Um, I, I love what what he did. And um, the Packers, we were told all throughout the process, would never touch him because he's 24 years old. So I was doing backflips yeah. when it turned out that that was not necessarily true. But again, just really curious your thoughts on Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the explosiveness, the lateral agility, I feel like we got to start there. I mean, the dude yep. moves differently at his size. I mean, Jordan Davis tested out of this world but yep. quietly right behind him Devonte wyatt was running a mid four seven at his size like <laughs> right. i mean the dude the dude is crazy dynamic and and that showed up at the senior bowl uh, was one of those things where he is very very quick off the snap he can really pressure those angles in the in the trenches really quickly and once he gets a step on you once he gets displacement once he puts the lineman in a state of imbalance that's where he can capitalize with those violent hands right so i think you know, you're looking at that, you know, not the longest guy, but has decent proportional length, uh, I think, and really good natural leverage with his size to around six, three, three under, you know, when you have that natural leverage, you can get under Lyman's pads easier, and then you can exert power and you can kind of, you know, impose your will and, and capitalize when you do have an edge on guys. So I think the, the, the combination of athleticism and play strength with Devontae Wyatt is a really valuable thing, especially playing alongside Kenny Clark. I'm very excited to see that combo. Yeah. I think they can play off of each other very well. And with Wyatt, you know, you're looking at a, at a wrecking ball who, you know, yeah, he can play straight forward in that three tech role, but he can also stunt around your guy if you need him to. He's got that explosiveness and that lateral agility and a little bit of ankle flexion too, if he's, if he's stunting around the edge. Right. So, you know, especially, you know, with Rashawn Gary next to him as well, mm-hmm. you know, Clark, Wyatt, Gary, you know, there's a lot of different ways to use that front now. And I think Devontae Wyatt adds to that. Definitely the the age was a little bit of a red flag, but Wyatt was, I think he he ended up my DT1. It was between him and Perry yeah. and Winfrey. Uh, but yeah, he's he's up there. He's got the talent. And especially playing off of Kenny Clark, there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, I, uh, my, my opinion on these things don't really matter, but I also had him at, at DT1. He was my, my favorite defensive tackle for sure. And I think my favorite story for Devontae Wyatt, they had asked him, 
something along the lines of when did you realize you were really fast? And mm-hmm. he said something to the effect of um, it was when he was training for the combine, he got put with the linebacking group because he was just so fast. It was just <laughs> ridiculous. Crazy. It's true, though. I mean, the yeah. dude is he just moves at a different pace. Uh, next up, we got Christian Watson. And I think um, of all the picks, this one might have the biggest discrepancy in what people think of the pick. Some people are devastated. You know, he's he's a, uh, a bad wide receiver with good tools that went to a small school and it's never going to translate. And other guys saying this guy is going to be, you know, the greatest this, that or the other. So very wide range of opinions on Christian Watson. But um curious what you think about him in terms of uh, not only will his um, talents translate, but what level of concern you have about some of those red flags for Watson? Yeah, for sure. I think this is another one where you got to slow cook it. You got to play it. You know, you got to be patient and see yeah. what happens. Right. I I really like the athletic tools. It may have been a little bit of a reach on my board, but again, teams have different preferences. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to dog a team if they pick a guy higher than I thought. Right. You know, everyone has a different preference and, and what they're looking for. Uh, the upside definitely warranted consideration there. You know, I, I, I'm, I'll try and pull up his combine numbers. I remember they were insane, but it shows up. Yeah. on the film you know it shows right. up the 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 gear that he hits when he has space to accelerate you know it's different when you're explosive and fast it, it's something entirely different when you're 6'4 208 and you got that explosiveness and that speed you know the, the guy is you know dynamic but a long strider too so when he has space to work each stride very efficient and covering ground and that was what we saw on that tape you know they, they'd use him in those end arounds get him into space pretty early and yeah he'd he, be off you know like there's no catching him right so that dynamic ability is something that you really can't replace i, I think four three six 40 yard dash 38 and a half inch vertical right and I, I if i remember correctly he also was in the 130s in the broad jump so the dude is explosive i mean he's a physical specimen bar none the, the i think the problem with a lot of people is that he's more of an athlete than a receiver right now which yeah i would i would contend is true right it's not a reason to bury a guy i do think that the route running you know again it was pretty it, it was pretty unrefined at north dakota state now i am a proponent of if they again like we said earlier the bedrock traits if they have some of those then yeah you know you can project a little bit and i do think we saw some of the stopping ability the throttle control with him he's definitely got to channel it more efficiently more consistently at this point but there's something there for sure but also, you know, for his size being 6'4", 208, I was a little concerned by the lack of physicality in his game. You know, yeah. not an overly physical receiver. When he did encounter contact at the catch point, it was really easy to disrupt him. Uh, not the greatest catching instincts through contact, right? So I think especially in a very physical NFL game, that could be a problem with translating early on. So I, I'd want to see him develop in that sense i think you're still looking at more refinement from a receiving standpoint but the athletic talent is is through the roof for sure and i think of the packers how i would use him early on you know ease him into that true wide receiver role you know i wouldn't use him as a pure x right away again i think yeah. similar to romeo dobbs these are guys that you can move around be flexible with you know get him the ball in those end rounds get him the ball on a wide receiver screen or a, a mesh route a drag you know just any way you can get the ball in his hands with space do it you know, because that's a way to help him gain more comfort and produce early on. And then in the meantime, can develop those those, you know, details as a route runner and as a catcher. Right. So I think there's room for him to develop. I, I do think it was, you know, not a reach for sure, but, you know, definitely some work to do. But the talent warrants the risk. Again, it's kind of similar to Quay Walker, right? Like he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism. If you think you have the coaching to develop that, take that risk. And it could ultimately be worth it. 
So one of the guys that was not super on my radar, but appears to have been very high on yours. Um, I was just looking at your big board here and uh, Sean Ryan, the Packers took uh, at pick 92 overall. Looks like you've got him one spot behind Devonte Wyatt at 31 overall. So uh, give us a little bit of insight into what it is you saw in Sean Ryan. Yeah, Sean Ryan was uh, he was a fun watch. Uh, I think the length is definitely something that may have knocked him down a little bit. Doesn't have great length for a tackle. I yeah. I was looking at him like I think you could leave him at tackle, but maybe moves to guard eventually, and that could be where he shines. But I mean, he's a great short area athlete. Uh, he's got great size, frame density. You know, not length wise, but you know the the core strength within his frame. You know that definitely shows up. Where if he gets his hands on guys, then he can just he can just you know suffocate those rushes with his core strength. And and he's got great power, great upper body torque. You know, he's a mauler. He's physical. He's dishing out hits on guys. You know, I think he did a really good job of acquiring leverage too. You know, sometimes with guys that are a little bit taller, you're worried about you know how's their knee bend? Are they bending at the waist? Are they kind of lurching past their center of gravity with Sean Ryan. You didn't see a lot of that. You know, he's got very natural knee bend, very natural flexibility and combine that with his smooth lateral athleticism. You know, he can easily match guys, keep them in his wheelhouse and, 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 and really suffocate those rushes. So I think with Sean Ryan, the biggest diluting factor is probably the length, but aside from that powerful strikes, very good upper body torque, core strength, athleticism. You know, I think he's got a lot of the tools that you need and then combine that with his absolute physicality. I mean, this is a guy who consistently yeah. finished guys in the dirt at UCLA. I was a big fan of him. I was a big fan. You know, I kind of thought he'd go earlier than he did, but the Packers got a steal. And I think, you know, I'm not sure where he ends up, uh, you know, in the future, whether it's a tackle or guard, but I do think, you know, if his length does force him inside, he'll be a very good guard. And I do think he has enough to counteract that and stay a tackle if you need him to. So at the very least, you know, a versatile guy to have in that rotation, but I, I do think a future starter for sure. Yeah. It looks like from what I can tell, they've been using him pretty exclusively at right guard. So uh, that seems to make a lot of sense for, for the amount of power that that guy has. And I look forward to seeing him play a little bit in this preseason game. I want to see him on that right side, see if I can maybe get a couple of glimpses of him burying a few people. So <laughs> um, another lot, guy, that, I'm sure you'll get a chance. Oh yeah. Another guy that um, I, I actually really liked late in the process. And the only reason I say that is because um, I had gone over to uh, SIS and looked at some of their stuff and they, they've got some of their advanced analytics and all that. And there was this guy I'd never heard of before who was at the top of just about every metric. And that was Zach Tom. Um, so I, I don't know how far down we can go before you start losing some of the notes, but I did see he was still on your list. So I'm curious your thoughts on, uh, Zach Tom and, uh, some of the notes that you had with him. Yeah, we can go pretty far, man. I mean, he, he was, the Packers <laughs> got a lot of value yeah. acquisitions. I'll say that. I think Zach Tom, you know, everyone on that day three slot, really. I mean, Zach Tom, Kingsley Anikbare from South right. Carolina, you know, he was a guy who had great ankle flexion, not the most explosive or fast guy, but a very good big edge with a really enticing combination of length and power and, and yeah, flexion up with his ankles to kind of get around the apex. He had that. Rasheed Walker, Rasheed, another yeah. one, yeah, who's got some nice developmental traits. Samari Toure from Nebraska, an older guy, but he's got some dynamic athleticism. Tariq Carpenter, again, you know, kind of blending the line between safety and linebacker. You'd love to see that, right? So right. they got a lot. They got a lot of value deals. I was really impressed with their class. Zach Tom at uh, you know round four, one forty overall was a guy who that was around where I expected him to go. But I was, uh, you know, I was a fan of his skill set in the uh, in the NFL draft. I had him as a day three grade, uh, but I think in that range, a very good value. And I think one thing that stood out to me with Zach Tom 
is the projected positional versatility. I'm not sure if he sticks at tackle in the NFL. You know, a couple of things that, you know, kind of stood out to me on tape is that he's not the most powerful guy. Yeah. He's not the strongest guy. And that shows up. I mean, he's 6'4", 304, right? He's got right. a decent arm length, but not a dominating physical specimen, right? So I think that's one of those things that is going to limit him against NFL competition. That said, he's very athletic. He's a smooth athlete. I mean, kind of like Sean Ryan. I mean, his pass sets are some of the smoothest that I saw in the class. I mean, very naturally. Uh, carries his weight and distributes his weight through those lateral shuffle steps right and he can match guys with ease uh, and then you know really good recovery athleticism as well uh, he scored very high with mobility he's got great balance and leverage you know natural leverage with his frame pretty flexible guy as well he can anchor guys and kind of flex to absorb power uh, so you'd like to see that especially if he's not the strongest guy if he can compensate that way uh, but I think with Zach Tom too at the senior bowl he took reps at tackle. He took reps at guard. He took reps at center, right? So I think you're looking at, you know, if he's not starting right away, a player who could feasibly be, you know, kind of that that chess piece of a backup where you can really put him anywhere and he can probably translate well. So, you know, I, I definitely like having that. I think especially in round four, you know, with how important depth on the offensive line is in the modern NFL, you know, if you get one guy injured, it's really good to have someone who can feasibly play each of the five mm -hmm. spots, you know, back there as kind of an insurance policy. And I think at his max projection, that's something that Zach Tom can be. So I was, I was a fan of that pick as well for what it means and for what it gives the Packers. You know, I don't think his ceiling is astronomical because again, you're not working with a super powerful or strong guy, but athletic, very savvy, very refined with his technique and can just get the job done. You know, I think having any guy like that is valuable for a team. Yeah, he's, he's also been one of the surprises of camp because of how quickly he's moving up the depth chart. I mean, we've got two guys out. You know, we got Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins out. So at best, the guys that are starting are, are tackle three. But um, he's been sort of in a three-way competition for uh, running with the ones at tackle. So if Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari are both out week one, there's there's a, a slight chance Zach Thomas is out there week one for the Green Bay Packers. So um, it's it's been pretty surprising to see that. Uh, next up, we got uh, Kingsley and Agbar, which we're still not sure how to say his name because we've all dug up videos of him saying his own name and he even says his own name a couple different ways. So that's <laughs> been confusing. But um, anyways, yeah, another guy that, as you mentioned, was was a pretty big steal, which is surprising because I feel like the Packers always take guys what are deemed to be too early. And this is the first time I've ever seen everyone praising Packers picks. It's, it was a it was a nice surprise. But um, yeah, a, a guy that. Um, I know got a lot of praise for as late as he went real, real good. I was looking at PFF, some of the stats he had incredible metrics as a pass rusher. A um, little bit surprised as to why he fell. My, my own speculation has to do mostly with run defense, but I'm curious your thoughts on that. Um, what you liked about him and why maybe he fell as far as he did. Yeah, I think uh, athleticism could have been one, you know, like sure. I don't think he's an elite athlete, definitely doesn't quite have the the elite first step off the line, you know, not a speed rusher, right, but he's long, he's powerful. Uh, at the senior bowl, a lot of what he showed up again, you know, going back to the combination of length and angle flexion, some bigger guys can't always get around the corner, reduce their service area, but Anagbare showed that he could do that. And in, in conjunction to, you know, kind of establish a long arm, a lever, you know, inside the offensive lineman's torso and then dip under him real quick. He's got that ability too. So I think, you know, probably just 
wasn't the cup of tea for some teams, you know, yeah. who want that elite first step. That's something that I would prefer too. Right. Uh, but you are looking at a guy who can win with active hand usage, who can, you know, kind of rush around the edge. He's got the power, got the ankle flexion, the bend capacity. That combination is good, even if he doesn't have the dynamic first step off the line. You know, the run def- defense could be a little more inconsistent than you'd want for a guy with his size. But, you know, I think especially the Packers, we know they love those big edge guys. So yeah. I thought it was a really good fit that point you know i think the the fit and the valuation really meshed together with that pick i I remember looking at it like shoot he's still on the board all right dream day i see you like yeah it was pretty good pick so i think he definitely adds something to your rotation as an extra pass rusher you know with his you know active hand usage power ankle flexion and yeah you can keep developing in the other areas he's got enough traits to have a role rotationally all right so running through this four seventh round picks uh the first one they took was Tariq carpenter he's a little bit of a rough start so far to camp. Sounds like he's at least at, at safety, he's kind of getting picked on. You'd mentioned he's kind of a safety linebacker hybrid, so it'll be interesting to see how they end up ultimately using him. But I think the yep. big thing that most Packer fans are, are, are expecting of him or, or hoping is that he can help out on special teams and uh, with, with the, the size that he has. So, um, again, just kind of curious your thoughts on uh, Tariq Carpenter. Yeah, he was one guy that I didn't get to in depth last cycle, but I did have a awareness of the physical traits. And I know yeah. that, you know, another reason that a lot of draft people liked him uh, was that he did have a lot of experience on special teams in college. So that's something that can translate right away. Not just that experience, but the physical traits as well. If I remember correctly, tested very well at the NFL Combine. He's got a dense frame, a long, dense frame at 228 pounds, right? So I think right away, you know, if he's taking lumps early on, put him on special teams. And that's uh, an area where physical freaks like that can really shine and and make an impact. And, you know, also maybe, you know, develop some of those soft skills like angles, you know, like taking the right angle to the ball. That's something that you can improve there and maybe translate eventually in a rotational role on defense. So I think with Carpenter, you know, especially in round seven, the biggest thing was always starting out on special teams. But, you know, I think that's a good spot for him. Next up, we got Jonathan Ford, and I, I think of everybody that we drafted, I had the least expectations for, um, not just because he's a seventh-round guy, but you see anybody that's 340 pounds, and you say he's going to have a very limited role, um, and and I went back and tried to find his highlights, and the only thing I could find was him frog-splashing a guy out of bounds, which cracked me up, but um, big dude, and, and the surprising part about it is the Packers, if you're looking at bringing on maybe six guys there's one open spot right there and there's not a ton of competition and Jonathan Ford's actually been making some plays. So I, I personally think Jeff, Jack Heflin wins the job, but if uh, Ford continues to produce like he has been, it's not impossible. He actually does make the roster above and, and, and beyond maybe the rest of the seventh round picks. So um, we'll see what happens with that, but I'm just curious uh, what you thought from Jonathan Ford. Do you think he's, he is just a pure 340 pound nose tackle or does he provide anything else? I think that's what he gives you early on. Now, yeah. he was another one kind of like Carpenter. I didn't get a deep dive on him, but 29-inch vertical, I did see that's a pretty good explosiveness number, especially for a guy with that size. So I think, you know, you're looking at refining that pass rushing skill set, you know, kind of practicing the little the little details and one-on-ones. Maybe he can expand beyond that. But I think at the very least, if you're a team that uses a lot of odd fronts, right, and especially with Devontae sure. Wyatt and Rashawn Carey, you got the personnel for it. You know, it's never a bad idea to have a guy like Jonathan Ford in the wings. So I think, especially in round seven, you know, getting him right. that late is a great value deal. It's a low-risk option with potentially high rewards. So, you know, I think that at the very least provides value for you. Um, we'll have to see what happens with him. But I think ha- just simply having that guy, you know, when you when you have those extra swings, take them, and I think that's what the Packers did. 
Yeah, and with Rashid Walker, unfortunately, the guy's been uh, on pup. He's been injured throughout camp, so we haven't really had a chance to see what he's been able to do. But I do know that he was one of the more hyped uh, of all the picks, which, again, a lot of, lot of quote-unquote steals, I guess, in this draft. Yeah. So I'm going to lean on you almost entirely on this and, and what it is that got people so excited about Rashid Walker as a prospect. Yeah, for sure. I was a little bit higher on him early on in the cycle, cooled off after the 2021 season, but you could still see the upside with him. You know, one of those guys who he's got the size for sure. I mean, he looks the part at Penn State. I think he was around 6'6", 320. Uh, he's got great physical tools, I think. You know, not an elite athlete, right? But one thing that I do like to look for from my offensive tackles is, you know, you got to match your your edge rusher to the apex. Obviously, yep. you know, you got to be able to match them laterally. But also, if they start to get around you, you know, turn those hips and wall them off, right? You know, and I think we did see him do that. You know, there, I don't think he's quite that lateral athlete where he can prevent them from getting displacement on him but he did show quite a few times on tape that you know when that edge rusher starts get that step he can feel it he can turn his hips and use that length to wall them off i think working against displacement you know that's a that's an area where sometimes tackles can kind of panic and, and get out of their phase right and then you can get off balance and that's when maybe edge rushers can go outside in and, and really work you off balance and at that point you're on skates the lane's open but Rashid Walker, a lot of times, you know, showed that he could turn his hips and wall off guys. So that that in and of itself was something that I was very impressed by. You know, there were times, I think, where he could improve his leverage and balance and, you know, playing with a steady center of gravity. But, you know, he does have enough hip flexibility along with his six foot six, 320 pound frame. Pretty good length, too, uh, where he can work with that and, and grow. You know, I think seventh round, I, I had him as probably an early to mid day three. So, mm -hmm. again, I think the Packers played the board really well there. And at that point, you know, you're getting a guy with enough physical talent, you know, to potentially be a, a another low risk, high reward guy later on. And at the very least, depth at tackle again, you know, one of the more imp important positions. So that was another good pick for me. You know, I think I, I wouldn't expect him to start right away. He's still got to refine his hand usage and, and, and again, get, kind of fix that leverage when you're six foot six, you are probably going to have issues with leverage more often yeah. than not. He doesn't have great knee bend. He can work on that, but there is enough there to warrant some, you know, some positivity, some optimism with him. So I, I it was a great value pick interested to see what he does but you know and hopefully he gets healthy that's the most important thing having that availability yeah and 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 the packers with taking three four offensive linemen every year have put themselves in a great position to be able to to just take two three years to to train him up there's no reason to rush him to do anything you got david bakhtiari you got elton jenkins you got yash nyman you got cole van lannan you got royce newman you got zach tom he can just sit in the wings and wait and learn and if in two three years he can be a you know bait if he could be Yash Nyman, you know, a backup tackle that can step in in a pinch, I think that's a great value for a late seventh round pick. Mm -hmm. um, Samori Ture, I think, is is in a he's in a real tough spot just because of the number of wide receivers the Packers have. But he's having a phenomenal camp, um, one of the better camps outside of Romeo Dobbs so far. I, I think he would have had a chance had it not been for all the different guys with Randall, Lazard, Watkins, Watson, Dobbs, Rogers, and even Winfrey probably a little bit ahead of him. But um, either way, I'm, I'm I'm really excited about his upside. I'm I'm curious a little bit about the kind of like what I talked about with Romeo Dobbs. What kind of a style of player you think Samori Ture is, and and what his usage could be in the NFL? Because um, all I'm seeing is him just kind of beating people. But I'm curious as the years go on and we lose some of these guys, Sammy, we lose Randall, we lose some of these guys, and he takes an active role. What kind of a role he might have in the future? 
Yeah, I think you're looking at another guy who kind of has the physical potential to be that mismatch guy. Now, I think he's more of that dynamic threat, you know, like you rotate him in and, you know, maybe you can be that deep guy. Because I know at Montana, that certainly was what he did. I mean, he was just stretching the field all day. And then yeah. in Nebraska, you know, it looked like they made a more concerted effort to get him the ball in the short and intermediate ranges at Nebraska. Uh, obviously another you know he did show his dynamic ability more often adrian martinez not the greatest quarterback in the world so the passing game never really got going but you know you did see those physical tools and i think it's pro day you know 6'1 191 arms over 32 inches so again you're looking at great length ran a 448 had a 6.773 cone 34 and a half inch vert 124 inch broad so explosiveness agility speed it's all there and, and yeah. length as well uh, so i think with him you know like you said pretty deep receiving core it might be tough for him to take on a, a huge role early on but having a receiver with that dynamic ability early on uh, is a great thing you know again I, I think at that point i know the packers they had a lot of picks didn't they they had like yeah there's a bunch like yeah, so or something. At, at that point, there's going to be some congestion on your roster, right? But hey, you know, if you have a chance, take it and see if he can work his way up and take advantage of the opportunities that he does have. He's a dynamic player at the very least. And I think that that will allow him to make an imprint uh, probably as a receiver, you know, right? You know, probably just as a, as a deep threat, you know, rotate him in on the boundary or maybe get him in the slot on a crosser and, and get him the ball in space, right? But uh, I do think having those traits at the very least, you know, is a good thing to have in that rotation. We'll see what happens with him. I know he was a guy that, you know, I kind of had my eye on as a sleeper moving to Nebraska. And then obviously he he played pretty well with the Cornhuskers. He's a little bit older at 24, but still a valuable guy to have in there. So uh, I'm curious to see how that entire receiving core shakes out. I remember I was a pretty big fan of Amari Rogers a little bit ago too. Yeah. you know, that density. I know, you know, it's kind of had his lumps here and there. But, you know, again, I, I think there's a lot of talent in that receiving core, even after losing, losing Devontae Adams. He definitely got a lot more to prove here. But, you know, I think competition is the best way to let that settle out. Do me a real quick favor and let everybody know where they can uh, find all of your work and um, connect with you if, if need be. Yeah, for sure. So you can find me on Twitter at IC underscore draft. Uh, that's where I post all my stuff working on 2023 NFL draft content right now. Uh, it's a fun class. Again, you know, depending on what you think the Packers needs will be, you know, fire up the PFN MDS. It's at Pro Football Network uh, on Twitter is at PFN 365. But, you know, we're always, you know, churning out more scouting reports, diving into more players. And it's uh, it's a process. The grind never truly ends, but it's a, it's a great process to be a part of. So at IC underscore draft is where you can find me. I appreciate the chance to come on and talk Packers guys. I think they, they really scored a big haul in the NFL draft this year. Obviously, need to see how it plays out, but you know, I think you're looking at a lot of potential. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I actually, I, I went to PFN and I found an article that you wrote, and I just tried to click back to go back to where your big board would have been, which was a few months ago. And I, I hit back probably 500 times because you guys are cranking out four <laughs> or five articles per day just on the yeah. draft. And I yeah. was like, this isn't going to work. I got to find another way to find your big board. So, yeah, no, yeah, it I, is, uh, it's crazy. A lot of real good content over there. Um, if you guys wanted to dig in, not not just draft. I mean, NFL coverage, a lot of uh, behind the scenes um, type stuff over there. R real good information. So, Ian, I really appreciate the insights, man. That was that was really fantastic. Thank you. Yes, sir.